This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. We are pleased, as always, to be with you guys. We're running out of uh, games to talk about here, but thank goodness we still have an amazing championship weekend and a Super Bowl to go. I am Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter. I always have the pleasure to be joined by my buddy Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL. Uh, we are going to get you guys set for those championship games. We are going to review the divisional playoffs uh, from last weekend, and we are certainly going uh, to spend some time uh, recognizing and remembering uh, some some esteemed quarterbacks, uh, one who has formerly retired and another um, who will do so in, in fairly short order. We we uh, presume and, and Baldy, it's good to be with you, brother. We uh, we fought the law. The law won. And then we won in the end. Man over I.T. We, we, we finally are able to hear each other here. That's a good start to a podcast. Yeah. Well, technology is um, can get the best of us, Jason. Yes, it can. Well, I always I always suggest that if there's like a five or six year old around, they can call they can solve all of our old man issues here yes. when it comes to technology. But we're up and running here. We are. And there's a lot to talk about. Um, I don't know if we can get it all done in this uh, podcast, but we can certainly give it a good shot. Well, speaking of all done, um, we are recording this uh, within hours of yep. Philip Rivers formally announcing uh, that he is uh, no longer going to play NFL football. I don't think this is a shock to either of us. We, we've known for quite some time that his heart was was on the high school gridiron in Alabama, and at some point um, – in the not too distant future, that that's where, you know, he was going to go to raise his family uh, and to start coaching young men who who love this game like he does. Incredible career, Baldy, one that I I suspect uh, takes him to Canton, Ohio. Uh, he got back to the playoffs with the Colts, gave it all he had. Um, this is a guy who really I feel like left it all on the table week in week out throughout this. I agree. I agree. You know, the guy was a uh, you know highly uh, competitive volatile, mm. fun, uh, you know, got to be around. And, you know, the, the, his, his ability just to stay healthy year in, year out was, was remarkable. I always kind of look at durability yes. uh, when you can just line up for 16 every single year, you know, survive the coaching changes and the bad offensive lines, the whole thing, and, and still give your team a fighting chance. And look, I mean, it was a legendary historical quarterback class from 2004 Eli stepped away last year um you know I mean Ben will probably look at these and make a decision but yeah. we know he's not far behind um but you know it, but Phillips doesn't have anything to really he, he should have zero regrets he gave yeah. it everything he's got pre preparation uh was able to raise a great family represent his teams in San Diego Los Angeles Indianapolis with the highest of character and uh, I think everybody that's ever played with Philip Rivers really, you know, can look back and say that was a that was a that was, that was a guy to go to war with every single Sunday. Well, and I think what it also is, Baldy, is is a blueprint of how hard it really is to win one of these championships. You know, yes, this, this guy had the miss. It's he had the great fortune to be a part of a quarterback class we'll be talking about forever. He had the misfortune to come into the AFC right as Tom Brady was ascending to his yep. powers as Peyton Manning was ascending to his powers and he was there 15 years and only won one uh, in Indianapolis. Um, you had Ben who would go on to win a couple. You had the Ravens 
who were around all the time with defense and, yep. and, and didn't matter who the quarterback was, they might beat you 10, nine any given week. Uh, that's a lot. That's a gauntlet to have to navigate. And then on the back end, here comes this Patrick Mahomes thing. And now he's yeah. in the championship three straight right. years. That's, that's, yeah. you know, timing is everything as they say. Well, there it is. It is. And you know, I mean, anybody that's played this game for any period of time will tell you that, you know, you need a, you need a good deal of fortune in order to win one of these things. But, you know, Belichick Brady, obviously, you know, um, was almost impenetrable. And the times that, you know, they, uh, they let up, there was Peyton and, you know, there was all the guys you just mentioned. And so, but you know, it's, the championships are great. I mean, you know, uh, there's, there's been a lot of great quarterbacks that couldn't get over that hurdle. You know, uh, you look at what uh, Jim Kelly did in Buffalo and how close they got and how close yeah. and how hard it was. Uh, Dan Marino, I mean, just go through a list of a lot of great quarterbacks in this league that don't have a, a championship to their name. Warren Moon, I mean, you go through a list of guys that played a long time and, you know, that just wasn't the right time. And so – uh, I remember, I remember that day when they went up to to Foxborough, you know, in the I guess it was divisional championship, the ACL and, game. Yeah, and you know, tears his ACL, and you know, Ladanian Thompson goes out of the game in the first quarter, and you know, it, it what looked so promising just fell apart so quickly in that game. Well, I know this much: um, you can't really tell the story of the evolution of the passing game in the in, in this century in the 2000s without talking about Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates that that proved to be a legendary yep. connection um and we miss we wish Philip all the best he'll be a hell of a coach there's no doubt about that Drew Brees as of this moment Baldy hasn't formalized anything yep. but I think you and I would have been dumbstruck if no matter what happened this year it wasn't his final season clearly um they had limitations in the passing game down the stretch. This is a guy who arguably the most accurate passer in the history of the game storied career means so much to new Orleans comes back from a shoulder injury. A lot of people thought, Oh, he'll never be the same. He didn't have great arm strength to begin with. He plays into his forties, plays in a bunch of playoff games. He got to drink out of the chalice once. Um, and, and again, someone who will be talking about, well, you and I might not be here 50, 60 years down the line, but uh, hopefully humanity still will be, and they'll be talking about Drew Brees. Well, I mean, look, at, when, when you talk about Drew, uh, forget about all the stats. I mean, when they, when they went, when he went to New Orleans there after Katrina, yeah. I mean, they helped rebuild that whole city. I mean, the, the Houdat Nation was a big part of rebuilding um, and re-energizing one of the great American cities and the opening of the Superdome and the game on, you know, Monday night against the Falcons and, and, and just what, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees did, you know, when that, that franchise was really floundering and that city was really, um, you know, at really at the cutting edge of, could they, could they come back after such devastation? And, you know, to, to be around that nation uh, and that city uh, it, it's, we all know it's a special place and Drew was as big a part of that. And the saints were as big a part of that as anything. So, uh, I, that's, that's what I kind of remember. They, they took a franchise that was just, you know, forever lost and made it one of the, the league's best and one of the most admired. And, you know, you built around your quarterback and a coach and they showed you what they could do for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. They did. Um, they could not get beyond, Tom Brady in the end 
14 and two in divisional playoff games, Baldy. I, I mean, there's a lot of freaky deaky Tom Brady statistics out there, and there's a lot of different ways to try to quantify just how ridiculous his career has been. But that one for me is way up there. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what he came to do. I mean, I think we all were a little surprised when he made the decision to go to Tampa versus some other opportunities. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, he knew he, you know, you talk about being meticulous about the game, game plans, game day, all that. I mean, I think he was as meticulous about looking at the level of talent that Tampa has, and we all see it. I mean, Devin White. Ooh, I mean, if I had to start a if I had to start a football team right now. On the defensive side of the ball, I might start with Devin White. Yeah, he might be my first pick, you know, to build my defense around that player. But you know, if you look at the coaching staff, we all know Bruce Arians is a creative guy, a good coach, been good with quarterbacks. We know that Todd Bowles has been amongst the league's best as a coordinator yep. uh, in coordinating defenses. You look at that secondary; they're all homegrown. They were all drafted. You know, uh, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting. Uh, Jamel Dean, uh, Winfield, Whitehead. I mean, they're all drafted by yeah. Tampa, all homegrown, all young players, all uh, have learned the hard way uh, early on. Uh, just throwing them out there, but they all look pretty darn good against that Saints offense on Sunday. So, and then you look at what he has, including Scotty Miller, yeah. and, you know, including uh, Tyler Johnson to go with Gronk and Godwin and Evans and Brayton. I mean, I mean, he knew what he had going there to Tampa, and he he and I and I give him credit. There's not many guys that love that role of being the general yeah. in all phases, and you could see yeah. it after the game when Devin Waite was wait waiting for him to go into the tunnel after all the interviews were over and all the things he's got to do for TV. His his young second year linebackers waiting for him to go in the tunnel with him. Like he loves embracing that role. Of being the general, and and Arian said it this week. Sometimes I just get out of the way and let him coach. Yeah, he loves that role, and the players love him in that role, and it shows. I mean, it's a big part of their success. Baldy staying in the NFC. I think the other game in that conference went largely as sort of scripted for us as we talked about last week. You know, there's the there's it's one thing to be able to play a football game, to be cleared to play it, and to be among the game day actives. It's another for the very best in the game to be able to play at their very peak performance levels. Aaron Donald wasn't right, you know. He he gutted it out, but that yeah. was no, nah, he was that was very limited. I mean, he was there more in spirit than body. Yep. And yep. you take him out against a team that's sort of humming the way that Packers offense is. That's a tall task, brother. Well, they, you know, whatever stats mean, I mean, the Rams didn't look anything like a number one ranked defense in football. And they earned that right. But really the way they ran the ball, I mean, they did everything they wanted to do. Yeah. And the way, you know, Aaron Rodgers is playing, I mean, they, they have been the best team in football for the last three months now. And they, they really showed up. And, you know, as much as Jalen Ramsey can help you on certain areas, they know – where your weaknesses are on any given play. They know how to exploit them. And so it was really just a masterpiece watching Green Bay in every phase of that game really take it to the Rams offensively. 
you know, and then again, defensively as well. Uh, it was, it was really something to watch. I mean, that was just the, you know, it's all about execution and you just hope that you can execute at the highest level when you get to a divisional championship level. And I don't know that green Bay could play a whole lot better yeah. than they did. I know they, you know, Aaron Rodgers talked about missing two or three go shots, you know, to Marquez Valdez Scantling and to Alan Lazard. And he did because it could have been a lot uglier yeah. than what it was. 32 points was their average all year long, but they could have put it in the forties against uh, the Rams defense for sure. In that game. Going over to the AFC um, as much as we kind of had a beat on the Packers Rams, I don't know that either of us thought 17, 13, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That's that's it. We're getting 20 points and seven of it's coming on 101 yard pick six. Crazy windy night. Um, both quarterbacks, you know, I think it's fair to say struggled. I mean, Allen took what was in front of him, but they only had one play over 20 yards, none over 21. It was not your typical quick strike Bills offense. The Ravens could not run the ball after their opening drive. Their first six carries go for 42 yards. Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins, the rest of the game, averaged 2.8 yards per carry collectively. Uh, that that I'm not shocked that the Bills won. I'm, I am kind of shocked how they won, though, Baldy. Well, look, I mean, you know, Wink Martindale and the defense gave up 10 points in a game. Mm-hmm. 10 points on the road. On a you know, in a, on a night where field goals were being missed by great kickers, um, you know they 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 played as well as they could play, um, you know, against a really talented offense. But it comes down to, and this is a recurring theme, that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have got to figure this passing game out. Yeah, and it's just not good enough. It just isn't good enough because. It's good enough against Cincinnati when you can run for 400 yards. Yeah. And it's great statistically that they can run for 3,000-plus yards two years in a row. And the way that they did it, and I said for weeks that it was in a Rubik's Cube trying to figure out yes. the run game. And, you know, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott figured it out. And they blitzed off the edges, and they shrunk the field, and they didn't let Lamar escape, and they were, they were masterful at it. But ultimately – when you start blitzing your corners and your safeties to fix the run game, you have to make them pay. Yes. And the Ravens simply can't do that. It's just too elementary. It's too simple. And it's not good enough. And part of me says, you know, just looking back at the frustration I would have if I was a Ravens player or fan or even coach or owner, I would say we've got to find ways in these games during the season when we've got Cincinnati put away that we've got to work on our passing game Yeah. to hell with running for 400 yards. Who cares? Let's work on our concepts in the passing game against blitzes, red zone, third downs. We we've got to get better in that area of football, because if we don't, we're not going to get past Kansas city and we're not going to get by, you know, whoever's in front of us at this point, Buffalo, who knows what the chargers do now with the new coach, you know, so that's really where this thing is at. They're going to get to the playoffs almost every year right now, the way the roster is built, the depth that they have, uh, the way that they restock. But can they move in the playoffs? Because it's three years in a row where they've been bounced like this. Yeah. And it's the same problem three years in a row. Let, let me ask you a dreaded three-part question. How much confidence do you have in the following things? I think I know how you're going to answer, by the way. One, how much confidence do you have in Lamar Jackson doing everything in his wherewithal 
to continue to develop as a player. Two, how much confidence do you have in Greg Roman being not just the run guru, but the play caller pass guru to unlock different concepts and different ideas in the passing game? And three, Baldy, how much confidence do you have in an organization that has never had a number one wide receiver in their history? Haven't drafted one, haven't paid for one, have never paid a receiver more than $8 million. That was Michael Crabtree at the end three, four years ago. How much confidence do you have that they will finally make a run at a Kenny Galladay, at a uh, Allen Robinson, you name it, that they actually go spend big for a wide receiver and free agency to help this young quarterback? I mean – I understand uh, the three prong question, Jason. It's 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 uh, phrased very you know very adroitly. But if you put Stephon Diggs in that offense, Stephon Diggs isn't getting fifteen hundred yards and catches. All right, he's not leading the league in receptions. As uh, as great as he is, I I don't know that until they start opening the offense up in different ways where receivers can actually, you know, run routes, beat man coverage, all those kind of things. There's got to be a better balance in how you throw the football right now. And it can't just be third and eight, all right, let's throw it. Um, And so, and then we, so it really comes down to Lamar and the first two questions. I have faith that Lamar will work at the craft. I I do, because I do believe he wants to be great. Uh, I, the second question is Greg Roman, the guy. And after three years, I would say that he needs help. The concepts are just, you know, the RPO game and the stuff that he's doing right now is just, it's too simple and it's not effective enough. And I know Marty Morningway was there last year, but maybe it's time for a co-coordinator where you've got a passing game coordinator to help unleash Lamar Jackson. And then if you went and got a Kenny Galladay or approve Allen Robinson, approve a number one receiver, um, then perhaps you could make that pay off. But right now, I, I think if you went out and got themselves, you know, a number one wide receiver, the way that they're constituted right now, I don't know it's going to change anything. Well, one team that certainly did reconstitute its offense for the better of all involved was the Cleveland Browns. Um, they went out fighting Baldy. I, I, I mean, down 19-3. And they make that thing a ball game. And I, I don't know about you. I've hated that stupid fumble through the end zone rule forever. And Horrible. sometimes it takes it happening on the biggest stage to get uh, change to actually occur in this league. But I was just super impressed by what the Browns did, the positions they put Baker Mayfield in. Everything sort of coalesced around him. Baker didn't step in any verbal doo-doo all year. Baker looked like a leader again. Um just super impressed all around. I know there's no moral victories, but they fought their backsides off. I mean, you think about this. I mean, their strength of the whole team was their offensive line. They lose their starting left tackle on the first play. They go to their backup, and they lose him in the second half. And they go to Blake Hans, um, you know, uh, hello, Blake, nice to meet you, Hans. Yeah. And he battles his ass off. And they make a game out of it. After the, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I can't I can't fault Rashard Higgins at all on him going for the touchdown. I know people say, well, you know, the Patriots don't allow their players to extend the ball. Well, the whole, everybody that plays football extends the ball trying to get to the pylon. We see it. We saw it the week before when Taylor Heineke did it. 
nobody, you know, said, well, nobody criticized him when it works. Right. All right. It got knocked out. Now, the play should have been a targeting call. I mean, yes. I don't know how you missed that call. Like, that's what it's there for. I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised Richard Higgins got up from it. Yes. To be honest with you, the way he did. But that's what the call is designed to do, to take those those hits where you're just literally a battering ram with the crown of your helmet. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can miss it. But that, that okay, you know, in the heat of the moment, they're just not calling it, whatever. But it is. But to come back from that and to be down 19-3 and to fight back and claw back right into that game, it's a credit. And to see Nick Chubb come back and hunt and Baker, you know, come back and the defense step up when Miles Garrett's in and out of the lineup, the whole thing. That team, that was a valiant effort. And I know there's no moral victories, but that team is on the right path, and they're going to compete uh, at a high level, you know, I think for years to come right now, the way they're built. Yeah, I, I'll be fascinated to see what they do this offseason. Um, you know, they, they, I look at them, Baldy, and you look at an Odell Beckham and what he makes and way, the way the offense was with him and without him. Boy, can can you trade an Odell Beckham and put that salary into another key player on defense? Um, get keep that offensive line relatively healthy. Uh, they could be a handful. They've got a lot of pieces. I mean, they got three really good tight ends. They know how to use them. They use them all. Um, Higgins is fine. Juice is what he is, which is just a gamer. Um, they're probably a receiver short. Now, whether that's Odell. Or whether it's a younger player, I mean, you see these rookie wide receivers coming in this business, they look like they're ready for prime time right away. You know, whether it's Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins or, yep. you know, C.D. Lamb, whatever. I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, they're ready to play whatever whatever level you draft them at. There's a bunch of guys that came in and produced right away. And so I, I don't think they're very far away. They're going to get Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett, the defensive line. I mean, you, you know where the help needs to be. And so, uh, I, hats off to Kevin Stefanski and the whole staff for everything that they did. Well, that sets up a meeting of the one and two seeds in the AFC. Uh, we know the Chiefs only slipped up once. Uh, feels like Buffalo hasn't lost a game in forever, uh, I guess, since the Hale-Murray. Uh, great quarterbacks, great coaches. Um Great coaching staffs, right? Both teams have a defensive coordinator who's been a head coach. Um, I do think Buffalo's probably going to have to play a more complete game, Baldy. You know, they they won with offense week one, but gave up week one in the playoffs, but gave up almost 500 yards. They win with with defense week two, but it's going to take more than one, you know, one touchdown on offense to likely beat these Chiefs. As we're talking on Wednesday, Patrick Mahomes remains in concussion protocol, but progressing well, according to the team. Uh, th- this this could be quite the ball game. Well, they you know they they played in week six, and uh, in Kansas City won that game twenty three or twenty six seventeen. Um, Josh Allen had his worst game of the season statistically. Yeah, threw one hundred twenty yards. Uh, Spags he <laughs> went back and watched it. Um, he lived in dime, right, Baldy? It seemed like he lived he lived in well, he lived in dime. They played a ton of zone. And they befuddled the kid. Well, so Josh Allen dropped back 27 times in that game. And, you know, he was 14 to 27. And Spags just happened to blitz 14 times. Um, And a lot of them were max blitzes. I mean, like zero blitzes. 
And they got him to move. They got him to throw the ball away. They got him to make some errant throws. Um, they did. I mean, they they handcuffed him pretty good. And so now, I mean, it's a long time ago. And Josh Allen, you know, obviously he's had some great games since. Uh, that is, it will be, and, and Spags is going to pressure him again uh, in different ways. And I don't know that anybody has more pressures than what Spags could do. I don't care if it's. Tyra Matthew or Legereus Sneed, we saw a bunch last week. He's got a lot of different ways that he can do it, a lot of disguises. And so that's going to be a big part of it, uh, of how they do that. Now, on the other side, uh, the Chiefs ran the ball down the Bills' throats. Yeah. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had an unbelievable game. They ran for 245 yards. They ran 45 times. Uh, you know, it was an un Andy Reid-like game, but they ran the ball great in a game. And so it's kind of a, a double-edged sword here. Can they stop Kansas City? And I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is healthy or not. I don't know if that ankle is ready to go. Uh, I haven't heard, but, yeah. you know, whoever, Daryl yeah. Williams or, you know, I, I'm anxious to see if they can stop that um, and slow that down right now. But, yeah, I mean, this is – Buffalo's going to be up against it. But, you know, maybe you get a, a Patrick Mahomes with the turf toe that is going to be hobbled and maybe not thrown at his best. I mean, I expect him. I expect him to play, but regardless, um, you know they've they've got to play better as a team, as a Buffalo team against Kansas City than they did earlier in the year. Yeah, that that that'll be that'll be a tall order, and I also wonder on the Bill side of the equation. They didn't even pretend to run the ball in the first half against Baltimore. Baldy, it was was three attempts. One was a quarterback under duress yeah. running away. One was an actual handoff to Singletary. And one, I believe, was Allen taking a knee at the end of the half. I'm not sure that they can duplicate that. I thought that was a mistake, Jason. Yeah. I thought that was a mistake in that game because Singletary is a he's a quality back. He makes he does he runs despite his size. Motor's got power and he can make people miss. He's a good contact back. And I know Zach Moss was out. But I, I thought it was a mistake to just go completely away from it. Uh, I understand that, you know, Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell can kind of make you think twice about running the ball. But I, there's a lot of ways to run it. And I think they need more balance. I, I just don't think you could drop back and throw it like they did, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, against Kansas City this week. I'm with you. And if they do, put me down for the Honey Badger with at least one pick. Um, that's an interesting uh, chess piece if that if that is the approach they decide to take on the other sideline, the NFC, <laughs> Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I don't really have to set this game up any more than that, do I, Baldy? I mean, nope. We, nope. we would watch these two on a sandlot, on a yeah. beach like Rocky and Apollo Creed, throwing a football around, running around. We, we'd watch this anywhere. Well, I, I don't know how many cameras you know Fox is going to have up at Lambeau Field this week, and I imagine it's going to be in the 20s. I... I, I, I want to know what the over and under of headshots, face shots of these quarterbacks when they're off the field are going to be. I mean, because literally you almost feel like you need to watch a split screen of this game, like Tom Brady and his offense, and then, you know, have a split screen of Aaron Rodgers sitting on a bench doing what he's doing. Because, um, I, I, you know, it, it, all of the concentrations can be on those two guys. Now, a yeah. couple things. One, this, this right tackle – for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Tristan Wurfs. Yeah. I mean, he went up against – Cam Jordan is not just one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He's one of the best football players in the league. 
And this Tristan Wirfs pitched it's a no-hitter against him. Like a no-hitter, no-hitter. Yeah. And Cam Jordan came at him with everything he has. And he and this Tristan Wirfs, he's played every single snap this year. He's as good at his position as Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert, any rookie is at any position. And he's maybe as good a right tackle as there is in football. And then you go, okay, Aaron Sinnott. You know, he goes in there for Alex Kappa. That's a good football player. I mean, they, they've got a good football team around Tom Brady, a really good football team. You saw what Scotty Miller did in a big spot. Yep. Tyler Johnson did. That catch on third was an unbelievable catch. I mean, as good a catch as we saw all weekend long uh, in a big spot. Um, and so, you know, I think that Tom Brady – you know, he's got – I think he's got to play better than he did against the Saints. But I think the Saints' defense gives Brady a lot of trouble. It yeah. gives all teams trouble. I, I don't see as, – as talented as Green Bay is defensively, they're not New Orleans on defense. Like, I expect them to get deep shots in this game. Whether they connect on them, I don't know. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, all that stuff. Um, but they're not going to have as difficult time throwing the ball, I believe, against Green Bay as they had against the Saints. The Saints, they have to beat that team. They needed all the turnovers to beat them. They're they're just that talented on defense. And Green Bay isn't as good at any at any place on the field as they are. One area of that game I, I wanted to tap into with you as well is we've seen, you know, this switch to sort of Fournette, you know, as more of the yeah. guy in recent weeks. And we know how much Tom Brady likes to swing a pass out to running backs. Mm-hmm. That part of the game has evolved. We know Mike Pettin's going to try to pressure Tom Brady. I think he will, and he's going to try to have, you know, uh, Zadarius Smith. Zadarius around. And he's right. got a variety of packages, you know. Yeah. yeah, but but I really wonder about if if B.A., if Bruce Arians sticks, st- remains relatively balanced, keeps them guessing a little bit, runs at those ends, and then I, I really feel like the screen, uh, the screen game could be a pretty interesting weapon for those guys. And I've seen Fournette pick up decent yards after the catch the last few weeks. Well, you know, two years ago in Jacksonville, he had 73 Seven catches. catches. Yeah, I think he led the team in, in receptions two years ago. He catches the ball well. I, I feel like he's had a rebirth uh, in the postseason uh, in these last two weeks. And, you know, Roy Jones, uh, Ron, Ronald Jones, showed signs last week. We know that the, the quad is still an issue. But we saw some explosive signs from him. He had a great game week six against Green Bay, ran for 113 yards or something. I had a number of big runs. Um, they handled Green Bay's front pretty well running the football. I, if Bruce Arians just stay, if he just stays patient, I see Tampa moving this ball all day long against Green Bay. If he just stays patient, if he's not in such a hurry yes. to take all these deep shots and just you know empty the bucket with you know throws down the field and just an aerial circus, if he stays patient. They're going to be able to move the ball against this team. And both Ronald Jones and Fournette are excellent in the screen game. Both of them are. Both of them catch the ball well. They're both good in space. Um, I don't see any role for Shady McCoy or right. Keith John or any of these other guys. I mean, this is this is a good one-two punch right now with Fournette and Jones. And they, they got to ride those guys. You you have any sense of how game flow? Do you think this is a high-scoring game ball? Do, yeah, do you think? I do. Last guy with his with the ball in his hands wins. Brady Rodgers. I think Rodgers knows where the holes in the zone defense are. I mean, I'm sure that you know Todd Bowles will be mixing it up uh, as much as he can. 
Uh, but they're a better zone team. That's kind of what they do. Uh, and they just try to shrink the holes and let JPP and, you know, uh, Barrett and Shaq Barrett and some of those guys get after it. It looks like Vita Vea may play. Um, he's as good a run stuffer yeah. as there is in this business. Uh, I don't know. He's coming off a broken leg. Reports are that, you know, he's going to be ready to go. I don't know what you can expect out of him. I don't, it, you know, McClendon's been fine and, and Sue, all those guys up front have been good. Golston's a very underrated player. Uh, but I see, I see this as a high scoring game. I, I, I thought it was interesting in the first matchup, uh, Todd Bowles put Carlton Davis on Devontae Adams every time he was outside. If he was outside right or left at split end, Carlton Davis was on him, and he forced one of the interceptions against uh, Aaron Rodgers. Tipped it, ball got intercepted by Edwards. When he went into the slot, uh, that's where Sean Murphy Bunting's role is. He's a slot corner, so he doesn't go in there. So it will be interesting to see if Green Bay – how much they move Devontae around if they try to get him off Carlton Davis or if they don't fear Carlton Davis. Because Davis had a very good game against Devontae in week six. So it's a little game within a game um, about what they do. We saw, obviously, what they could do with Devontae down the goal line last week against Jalen Ramsey, you know, and just uh, down the one-yard line and all the stuff that they can do. So they've got a lot of different ways to shake him free. But I think this game could easily be in the 30s. Um, for both sides uh, on Sunday. Do you have a prediction, Baldy, on who we will see playing in Tampa in a couple of weeks? Well, you know, I think Green Bay has been the best team all year outside of that one game really against uh, Tampa where Rodgers, they, I, I just think that they look like the more complete, consistent team to me. The Bucks consistently get off to a bad start. I mean, they've scored 88 points in the first quarter this year. Like, they they were behind 10 nothing the first time they played Green Bay. They were down on Sunday. Um, they just don't start well. Now, maybe they'll change on Sunday, uh, but they have gotten off to slow starts. Um, and that doesn't mean anything, you, how you finish, all that stuff. But Green Bay just looks like the more complete team to me right now. So, Green Bay, Kansas City Chiefs? Green Bay against the Chiefs right now, you know, I mean, I'd like to I'd like to know more about Mahomes' status. I think he's going to yeah. get cleared. I mean, I, I, I'm not hoping he gets cleared because I, I if there's any issues there, I don't exactly. want to So, I mean, I'm all about safety first. Um, you, you're, you're 25 once in your life, but when you're 35 and 45 and on, um, you, you can't take two concussions. You just – your body's going to feel it. Uh, it's just too too well proven. But if he's clear and he's healthy, I want to see Mahomes. But you know, I still think even if that turf toes bothered him, that offense is just too much to handle right now, and uh, all the different ways that they can move the ball. So I like Kansas City, Kansas City right here in Green Bay. That was my pick from the beginning, and I'm going to stay with it. One final thing before we go, Baldy, um, the Deshaun Watson saga is ongoing. Uh, Maybe I'm crazy, but I have a theory. Okay. I look at a, a, a man like Leslie Frazier, and I see the complete opposite of Bill O'Brien in demeanor, in personality, in communication skills, in ability to relate to players, in the ability to treat players like human beings. Um, I, I 
see him as someone who could help rebuild that defense and would keep anybody Deshaun Watson liked working with in the building who's there right now. He doesn't need to be the boss. He doesn't need to bring all of his guys with him. Um, He doesn't need personnel control or do anything that would in any way threaten a young GM like Nick Casario. And if they hired Leslie Frazier, and again, maybe I'm crazy, but I know Tony Dungy is one of the leading advocates for Leslie Frazier. They go way back, coach together. I have a hard time thinking that if he was the coach of the Texans and he and Tony Dungy flew to wherever, Mexico, where Deshaun has been, you know, sort of roasting about this and passively aggressive saying stuff on Twitter, but hasn't requested a trade. Am I crazy to think that those two couldn't connect with that young man in a way where he says, I have some issues with ownership. I don't love the way everything's going down here, but I think I could play football for you. Knowing Leslie Frazier, Jay's uh, the way I do, and I've known Leslie a long, long time when he was in Philly and even when he was a player with the Bears. Um, it is difficult for anybody to look Leslie Frazier in the eye, yeah. anybody, and not believe in what that man says. It's just, it's just difficult. I mean, that guy is genuine human being, a straight shooter, as there is. I, I mean, there, there's no way. I mean, it, whatever um, damage has been done with the front office and all the things that they've done, the owner, the whole thing, with Deshaun, I, I do think that it's salvageable with the right person. I do believe that. And I don't think you're crazy. I think Leslie Frazier, I mean, we've seen, <laughs> Jason, we've seen a lot of mutts in this business, yeah. get second oh, and third yeah. jobs. Yes. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not even being kind when I say much. Oh. But we've seen a bunch. Yes. To think that Leslie Frazier, and, and we've seen also coaches get their second chance and really, like whether it's Shanahan or Belichick, whatever. Take off. Get yeah. that second chance and go, okay, I'm not making this mistake a second time. You know, we have seen that plenty of times, right? So there's not any part of me that doesn't believe Leslie Frazier in his second time wouldn't learn from the first time and be in a position where you got a real leader in your building, like just a leader. All right. Uh, I'm not even, look, the African-American thing is important to me uh, and it's important to the league, but that I don't even see that when I talk to Leslie, I just see a leader, you know, and that's what the Texans need. They have it in Deshaun. They need it with the head coach to be the face of the organization to do all the things that you have to do, but to give them the structure that they need right now, the way, you know, the way they did in Pittsburgh for so long, the way Stefanski did his first year in Cleveland, they need somebody because it's a mess and it's been a mess, but they need somebody to come in there right now and sweep the mess up and get, you know, and get this thing started and going in the right direction. And I think it would be a tremendous hire to be honest with you. I hate the term changing the culture. It's overused to the point where it's pablum, but it is a part of this game now. And you hear it at every press conference and it's the buzzword that the owners and everybody talks about. If you truly want to go from being that sort of dumpster, that Bill O'Brien sort of festered there, if you're looking to truly change the culture and go in a different way and make football fun for these guys again and make them want to go to work and, and, and give all they have for their coach. The answer to the test is Leslie Frazier. Well, I don't know. So let's just play it out, though. I mean, if, if say it's not Leslie Frazier, and let's just say it's, I don't know, um, 
Uh, you know, maybe Matt Eric Eberflus? is that guy. I mean, I know it sounds like Deshaun is really pushing for Eric. Looks like they got a special ability to have uh, interviewed. I don't know if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. Jason, mm-hmm. you might know better if they got a. That's accurate. That's accurate. Okay. And so they got a special deal, I think, on Monday yes. to interview him. Um, but let's just say it's not the enemy and it's not Leslie Frazier. Let's just say it's another, yep. you know, quarterback guru. All right. I mean, to me, I, I I I find it hard that anybody would trade to Sean Watson, but you almost have to. Yes, I if, think if make it's it. going to be unpalpable. It's only, you almost have to say, okay, we had one of the best young players in this business, but we've got to. It's 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 about a team here, and I don't know. We, 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 maybe we just start fresh. We start from the beginning. I, yep. You know, but I, I it's going to. It, there's only going to be one or two people that I think could bring Deshaun Watson back into the fold yes, um, and make him believe in what the Texans are supposed to be about. I'm with you completely, and um, we'll see how quickly that situation gets resolved there. But I, 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 in all my reporting, I'm not going crazy on all these trade scenarios yet. Just, again, like you, knowing what I know of Leslie Frazier as a human being and as a coach yeah. and as a leader and knowing what I know of Deshaun Watson. You can't convince me that those two individuals cannot find common ground. And the, but, you know, the good thing about Leslie Frazier is, man, I mean, you, you hear it a lot sometimes, but like that is the same guy every day. I don't care if the sky's falling or if the sun's shining. That guy's the same guy. And you, that's the backbone of any organization is you have got to be, you, you got to have a steady ship. And, um, and I know that guy has what it takes in order to that resolve that you need in order to survive any bad times or bad start or anything it takes to start turning that thing around. Well, Baldy, this has been awesome as always. Uh, the next time we chat, we will be down to the final two and who knows, maybe most yeah. teams or all the teams will, will have their coach in place by then as well. This has been the latest edition of Baldy's breakdowns. Appreciate you guys listening as always, please. Um, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. We drop every Wednesday afternoon. Um, we hope everybody enjoys the games. I know we certainly will be. Stay safe and uh, let's 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 savor this last weekend for a long, long time, Baldy. Where we can go straight from one NFL game into another. Talk to you next week.